Jesus, we choose to give you this time, Lord, in our our day, our our week, because we realise you are the only one worthy. Jesus, nobody compares to you. Lord, we live in a world that is searching for glory and for greatness. But Lord, I want to thank you that we have found all the glory and greatness we could ever feast upon. Because we found it in you. We found it in you. have done an amazing work of grace. You have opened our eyes. You have opened our hearts and minds to behold your glory and your greatness. Uh, Lord, I want to thank you in this season, this moment of the year, we get to celebrate the glory of the incarnate God, the one who became a baby, the one who stepped into our darkness and our pain to walk with us, to bear our burdens and to give himself sacrificially on the cross. Jesus, there is nobody like you. And so, Lord, I want to pray as we just give this moment to looking at your word and learning how we can follow you and be like you, would your spirit move among us? Lord, I want to pray for those that need comfort. Would you comfort them this morning? Those that need encouragement, would you encourage them? Those that need lifting up and strengthening, Lord, would you do that? Those that need a fresh word from you, would you just breathe upon them? Holy Spirit, come and build your church. Come and set us on fire that we might bring glory to Jesus. Lord, we wait for you. Lord, we wait for you. You're worthy. Amen. Amen. Thanks, band. Thanks, guys. Just got a couple of bits to get ready. So while I do that, if you've got a Bible with you or a Bible app, if you want to find Isaiah chapter... Uh, that would be great. <coughs> Shh. <laughs> Shh. You're all wondering what that is now, aren't you? Okay. My name's uh, Ben. I lead the, the youth team, the Ignite youth team here. Uh, also help out with the um, School of Supernatural Life. Um, we're excited to be starting the day school in January, so if you've uh, not had an opportunity to look at that, maybe think about signing up for that. But I wonder, do you have any favourite Christmas memories? I would probably say, hands down, my favourite Christmas memory is the year me and my cousin David booby-trapped the house. <laughs> Now, young people, now is the opportunity for you to take copious notes uh, so you can learn from our example. It was Christmas Eve. Uh, it was late. And um, uh, everybody, everybody had gone to bed uh, except me and uh, my cousin David. We were staying at my auntie and uncle's house. And uh, it was late. And uh, we were in his bedroom. And we concocted a plan that we would booby-trap the house for everybody. And uh, so the first thing we did, uh, if the slide could come up, was he had in his bedroom a womble. Now, this womble made a horrendous cackling noise whenever, it, uh, whenever you kind of bashed it or dropped it or whatever. It was a really horrible kind of cackling laugh. And what we did was we put that on the handle of my parents' bedroom so that in the, at some point they would open uh, the door, the womble would drop to the ground and would release this awful... Um, 
Awful laugh. Okay, it was, it was worse than that, okay? Um, okay, next slide uh, was we had, um, we had, my cousin David had, that's what it was, okay? We had a rubber chicken. And what we did was we tied a rope round the rubber chicken's neck and we dangled it from the banister so that it hung perfectly in the hallway. And so as you walked through the hallway, you would bump into this, um, this rubber chicken. Uh, but the best was that the last one that we did is we had, next slide, uh, we had an inflatable alien. And what we did was this, was they had an upstairs small toilet, and what we did was we perched this on the toilet. So it looked like in the dark that somebody was going to the toilet. So we went to bed hoping beyond hope that one of these things might pull off. Well, little did we know the success that our booby traps would have. So, Dad, at some point in the night, decided he needed to get up, I think, to get a drink or raid the fridge, I don't know, can't quite remember. And as he opened the door, what fell to the ground? The Womble. The Dad, did it freak you out? Absolutely. Yeah, there we go. Great. Freaked him out. Uh, and do you remember the chicken? Well, in the middle of the night, my auntie, who is really, can't see with, really well without her glasses, um, she decided she needs to get up and go to the toilet. Middle of the night, nothing kind of on. And as she's walking through the hallway, suddenly she is attacked in midair by this robber chicken. And she's flailing. What on earth is going on? She goes to the toilet, and unfortunately, as she comes back, she's again attacked in midair by this rubber chicken. But the best one by far is the inflatable alien. Uh, my grandma uh, um, uh, was in the, the bedroom next to the toilet. She got up, and um, uh, she needed to go to the toilet, and so she opened the door, and she couldn't see very well at all. She opened the door, and suddenly what looked like somebody was on the toilet. She said, oh, I'm terribly sorry, and like, got out and went and sat on the bed and waited for this person to finish. <laughs> the thing is, the inflatable alien didn't finish, and so my grandma decided to start talking to the person on the toilet. Are you, are you okay? Is everything all right? And eventually she couldn't hold it any longer, so she went to the downstairs toilet, thankfully evading the chicken uh, in the way. And so when uh, we came down, me and Cousin Dave came down in the morning, we came down to this wonderful, unexpected surprise. It was I think it was better than any Christmas presents we got that day, just hearing all these stories. It was a wonderful Unexpected, but it was one of the, my highlights as a teenager. Let me tell you another highlight. And it was unexpected. I was in a cattle shed in Coventry. I had not been sent there because I was naughty. Um, uh, well, I was with thousands of other young people at a Bible camp. I was 15. And I was massively indifferent to Jesus. I didn't really care. I'd been to church all my life, but I was massively indifferent. I just wanted to skateboard, smoke cigarettes, hang out with my friends, listen to punk music. Um, but I had a girlfriend, and she loved Jesus. 
And uh, what I would do is I'd go along to the youth meetings and I'd listen uh, to the worship music just because I enjoyed it. I'd stay for a few songs and then I'd leave and I'd go skateboarding and causing trouble with my friend Jez. And um, one evening, uh, my girlfriend, Amy, who I'm now married to, um, she said, Ben, why don't you stay? Just stay. Just stay. Stay a little bit longer. And it was... uh, during that worship time, what I, what I started doing is I started looking at all the young people around me. And suddenly my eyes were fixed on this young lad. He was probably a little bit older than me, 16, 17. And this young man was worshipping Jesus. And he was, I can honestly say, he looked like the happiest person I'd ever seen. And he was eyes closed, arms out, pouring his heart out in worship to Jesus. And something triggered in me in that moment. Something changed. I realized something. It's almost like I did a bit of kind of theological mathematics. That worshiping Jesus equals joy. It was a realization in my heart that life's purpose and my greatest joy was to be found in being a worshiper of Jesus. And in that moment, I decided I wanted to be a worshiper of Jesus too. And so I did. I started just to sing. I started just to worship and at the end of the, the meeting the guy preached and I went forward and I gave my life to Jesus. And from that moment as a 15, 18 years on, I've lived my life as a worshipper of Jesus. Do you see, to be a Christian is ultimately to be a worshipper. That's what it's really all about. We live to glorify and enjoy Jesus. He is the very reason for our existence. We were made for him. And that's what we see the early church did. So next slide up. We've been looking um, at this series on devoted. What does it mean to be a church that's devoted to following Jesus? And one of the, the key things that the early church gave to was this. They devoted themselves to praising God. They devoted themselves to praising God. We are a praising people. Worship drives everything we do. We live for his praise. I think Matt Redman sums it up brilliantly. He's a well-known worship leader and worship songwriter. He says this, From a heart so amazed by God and his wonders burns a love that will not be extinguished. It survives any situation and lives through any circumstance and it will not allow itself to be quenched. For that would heap insult on the love it lives in response to. We long to be a people whose hearts burn for God. But if we are not careful, there are ways we can lose something of that fire. So I want to talk, as we've been worshipping, I want to talk about what does it mean to be a people on fire for God in this way. I think that quote is helpful for two reasons. First, fire is a very helpful metaphor for devotion of praise. And fire needs fuel. 
fire needs fuel. If you take away the fuel source, the fire goes out or diminishes greatly. So I want to look at today five ways we can fuel the fire of praise in our hearts. But also this, worship is an act of receiving and responding. 1 John 4.19 says this, we love because he first loved us. Kim Walker-Smith, who's a, a wonderful worship leader and songwriter, she defines worship as this. It's simply God pouring his love out on us and us responding to that love by pouring our love back out on him. That's a lifestyle of worship. That's a lifestyle of praise. And so we need to position our lives to receive his goodness and his love and to pour that goodness and love back out. But before I wanted to um, kind of crack on looking at those things, I made a little video for you. I asked some of the youth why um, worship is important. So can we just uh, put the video up? That would be great. They uh, wanted to offer their, their comments on this. So why is worship important? I think worship is so important to praise God for all the amazing things he's done for us. I think worship is important to me because you can be inspired with the wisdom of God. He can give you pictures and scriptures which can be amazing. And I think worship is important to me because it's a way I can connect with God and be peaceful in his presence. Because you only focus on God. I think worship is just a time of peace for me, somewhere I can connect with God and just feel free from everything from the outside world. To worship and praise him to show how thankful we are for his endless love. Because it's showing respect and it's going away from the struggles at home and from school. You need to say thank you to God and you need to say sorry for your sins and you can have a conversation with God and get away from the outside world. Worship to me is praising God for what he has done for us and saying thank you for, for our lives and that he accepts us no matter what. I think that it is important because it gives people time to really listen and connect with God. Hey, there we go. Brilliant. Okay, so five fuels f to help your devotion for worship. So first one, if we can have the first slide up. So first one, first fuel for the fire, salvation. Salvation. So Isaiah chapter 12, verses 2 to 6. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day... Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. One fuel for the fire of your worship is dwelling and enjoying the salvation of God. Alec Matia writes in comment on this. He says this, Song is called for not as an expression of feelings of elation, 
but as a response to the works of God. There is nothing that will get more in the way of your devotion to worship than an egocentric focus on your feelings. But actually, worship is stimulated, grows, matures as we focus on what God has done for us. Praise is the natural response to grace and redemption. We bring our emotions into line with what he has done. And I think the Exodus story in the biblical narrative is a beautiful picture of what this looks like. So Moses is leading the people. They come to the Red Sea. God breaks open the Red Sea. They walk through it. Pharaoh and his army get drowned in the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14. And what comes directly after Moses and Miriam and others, they break out in singing and worship. Why? Because of what God has done. There's even tambourines and dancing. I mean, bring it along next week. No, actually, don't. don't. (laughs) The gospel, friends, the salvation of the gospel, Paul says, is the power of God. So there is, you know, salvation, grace is like spiritual adrenaline for your heart. Provokes and stirs and fuels our worship. It has, so if you've come to morning, you just feel, I just do not feel spiritually alive. I just do not feel there's anything there. Let me say this the grace of God has dynamic resurrecting power. It fuels our worship and praise. So how do we drink, as Isaiah, how do we drink deeply from the wells of salvation? One thing is when you come to church, or whether it's just by yourself or with your life group or whatever, the most important thing to do is this, is fix your eyes on Jesus. Nobody said it better than Robert Murray McShane. For every look at yourself, take ten looks at Christ. He is altogether lovely. Such infinite majesty and yet such meekness and grace. And all for sinners, even the chief. Live much in the smiles of God. Bask in his beams. Feel his all-seeing eye settled on you in love. And repose in his mighty arms. So when you come along on a Sunday, don't look at yourself. Look at your saviour. Fuel your fire. Salvation. Next one is this, revelation. This is uh, Colossians 3. Let me read you this, verses 16 to 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God and Father through him. The flow of those verses will tell you that actually the richness of the word of God in us fuels and forms our worship together. That's what Paul is saying. N.T. Wright says this, The church is to be stocked with his word as a palace is filled with treasures. Yeah? 
our devotion in worship it grows and matures and overflows as we store the treasure of his word within us. As his word takes residence within us, so the richness of it produces a mature and growing praise. But let's be honest for a moment. And I just want to read you something. This is from Matt Redman who is a well-known worship leader, as I've already quoted. But he says this in his book, The Unquenchable Worshipper. So often, when my worship has dried up, it's because I haven't been fueling the fire. I haven't set aside any time to soak myself under the showers of God's revelation. Often time is the key factor. But if we can find space to soak ourselves in God's word, then we will find that the revelation floods back into our lives and our hearts will respond with a blaze of worship once more. Wow. So I want to teach you something really simple. On a Sunday morning, have this as close by as you possibly can. And you know what? All you need to do is open it, read it. I've I've made this out. I don't know how I picked it up. I just started doing it. But often at the beginning of a worship time, I will get the scriptures and I'll let revelation fuel my soul, fuel my heart. And that then brings out and overflows in praise. Let's be a palace filled with treasures. So the next fuel was revelation. And the next fuel on your fire is intoxication. Intoxication. Ephesians 5, 18 to 21. (coughs) Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. Really important. The heart is the most important instrument in worship. Yeah? The heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another of reverence for Christ. Now, I'm sure that many of us here have witnessed somebody intoxicated by alcohol. It affects their speech. It influences their body. It influences their choices. It influences their relationships and their mood. And it can sadly lead to much immorality and pain. That's what Paul is saying about do not get drunk. But what Paul then leads us to is this, is that our lives, our hearts, our speech, our relationships, our attitudes should come under the influencing power of the Spirit. We're to be intoxicated with him. We're to keep drinking him in. We are to come thirsty and be filled to overflowing. I mean, do you remember in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out? And what was the natural reaction when that happened? What did the church do? They worshipped and praised. And when people looked upon them, what did they say? These guys are under the influence of something. Something has got hold of them. They look drunk. They weren't. They were just intoxicated with the presence of God. 
It, it caused them to act in a certain way. They worshipped. They poured out praise. Gordon Fee puts it like this. I love this. Where the Spirit of God is, there is also singing. <laughs> Where the Spirit of God is, there is also singing. Is that the kind of Holy Spirit you know? Yeah. For Paul, the gathered church was first of all a worshipping community. And the key to their worship was the presence of the Holy Spirit. History would tell us that when God moves by the power of his spirit, fresh, creative, truth-saturated, spontaneous worship often results. Now notice here the kind of worship that Paul is talking about. He talks about planned worship, psalms and hymns, but he also talks about spontaneous worship. Now I know that probably for many of us, we are comfortable with the planned worship. But for some of us, we would be unsure, self-conscious, hindered in some way when it came to the spontaneous element. But scripture says that it's both together. Both are important. Worship is incomplete if we just have one. God is enjoyed and glorified by both. Now, I know for some of us, the spontaneous element, the spirit-led element, can be difficult for us to, to grasp or grow or step out in. So I'm just going to invite Richard just to come up. And Richard's going to come and help. Richard's got a passion for this. So I'm going to ask him a few questions, and he's going to help us with this a little bit. Is that on? Okay. So good. Are yeah. you ready? Yeah. We should have got like bar stools or something, but then we'd have looked like a boy band. That's so not good. We, we, don't, we don't want we don't, that. No. <laughs> no good. Anyway, R and B. We could have been. No, don't go there. Sorry. Okay. Right. So question number one: What does spontaneous spirit-led worship look like in a worship time? Okay. I think the first thing is that I can talk from my experience. Uh, and if you were to ask John or Fliss or Danny and Lauren or any other worship leaders, they'll probably tell you something different or poss possibly similar with differences. So I'll tell you about me. No, you can hopefully get something. I think uh, when we're talking about spontaneous worship, we're, we're talking about, for me at least, it's the bits in between the songs. It's, it's the bit either sort of after a chorus or they're kind of free singing, if you like. Uh, often we take, kind of take it on the end. So we sing a song and then we take it in there and what's happening during those times is uh, those that are kind of engaging with, with, with the actual you know, singing of that spontaneous bit are usually speak sometimes they're speaking in tongues sometimes they're singing out a word that's in just the same word Jesus I love you Jesus oh, you're wonderful just the, the one word it's repeated over uh, sometimes they're looking up on the screen and they're just singing around the kind of the, the kind of songs that we've the words that we've already been singing, so that spontaneous bit is made up of various kind of elements. Yeah. And I'll just very briefly because I know Ben wanted a minute. <laughs> um, Go for it. Just I think I learned to love spontaneity in worship uh, when I was 16. Uh, I learned to play the guitar, and my mum uh, worshipped with me. My mum and I was rubbish. I mean, I was so bad. Uh, and but one of the things that my mum taught me is the bits in between. She, she told me about those bits where uh, you're off the page, you're, you're singing your own song, and she, she modelled it, so I would just encourage any uh, 
grandmas or granddads or mums or dads to do that yeah. with your children and grandchildren yeah. because you are literally, through the way you model spontaneity and, and the way you want and worship, you are, that's how you are breeding and growing the next generation of worship leaders. Yeah, brilliant. Sorry. Okay, so next one. How does that spontaneous spirit-led worship, how does that glorify God and build us up? Sure. Yeah, so uh, lo- loads of different ways. I think, for me, that the most significant of it is, is that we get to partner with God in creation. So he started, God started creating this world right from the very beginning. He created it, built it, and he, he carries on doing that. And spontaneous worship, where we are singing our own song or we're a bit off the page, is, um, is our own. You know, no one else wrote it. It's our own. So we get to partner with God yeah. in the continuation of his creation. Yeah. So that feels pretty special, doesn't it? Yeah. And yeah. there's loads of other areas of our lives that we get to do that, but that's, this is just one. Um, I just love that um, we get to be really, t- in those minutes, I get to be really honest about my own thoughts and feelings. Mm. You know, it feels like I can be, when we talk about worshipping in spirit and in truth, it's being true you know, and true to yourself feels really important to me. And so some of who I am becoming is, is reflected in, in the words that I sing in the in-between bits. Yeah, very good. And lastly, what can help us to start or grow in this? So uh, for some people, this might be a new thing. Yeah, yeah, I like this bit. Yeah, this is good. So this, this, it's really you know, for spontaneous. You know, if you, if you get to ask, uh, ask your children to um, paint me something, here's some paints, just paint me something. Some children are like, I don't know where to start. I you know, don't know where to begin. But if you say, well, if you copy this, copy this uh, bowl of logs, then they'll, they'll paint it to you. Uh, both is wonderful. Both is fantastic because we love our children. And it's the same in worship. I think, you know, if, if, if you want to kind of push into being spontaneous or singing your own song, uh, those sorts of things, then just uh, firstly, I think, practice it. Literally at home, put a worship song on and practice it. Mm. Secondly, uh, ask for it. Yeah. It's a wonderful gift. Yeah. You know, it is a gift that, that I have. And, but the ability just to sing a whole verse that you've made up on the spot, you know, it doesn't come from nowhere. It comes from saying, Lord, I want to press into this. Yeah. I want to express to you some of my heart's desire. Um, so practice it. Um, yeah, kind of mix up the words structure. Uh, the words structure on the page, usually it, the words are left up in those uh, times. Just pick a word off the screen and sing it and just keep yeah. singing it. It doesn't matter what the melody is. It doesn't um, uh, matter if it doesn't sound very great because the person next to you or near you is probably doing the similar sort of thing. So you can practice it. Uh, you can steal other people's melodies. You can steal other people's songs. And eventually you'll just, you're going to grow step by step. And it is a wonderful partnering in creation. Yeah, great. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Okay. So be filled with the Spirit. I want to encourage you, come open and thirsty, and you never know what the Holy Spirit is. Now, let's just go through the last two uh, quickly. They're pretty short. So the next one is participation. Now, notice in these two scriptures, so I've put the last two kind of side by side, Ephesians 5, Colossians 3. Notice that both of them say we, are not, we don't just sing to God, we also sing to one another. Now, that might sound slightly heretical, but the Bible says that we also worship for the benefit of one another. Your worship is a powerful fuel in the lives of others. 
So let me just tell you a personal story and then we'll move on to the last one. When uh, in 2011, me and Amy lost our daughter, uh, we were part of the church uh, at Wellspring in Deerham, and uh, every week was painful to go to church because we were in public and we were in pain and it was difficult and it was hard. Um, but we kind of, as often as we could, and as much as we could, we got to church and you know what I did? I just sat and I listened. I couldn't sing. I, sh- I really struggled. And I just listened to the people of God enjoy Jesus. And you know what? That kept the fire of my heart going. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, maybe that's you this morning. And you've struggled to sing. But you know what? Just stop. Just listen. Listen to the people of God enjoy him. And that will fuel your heart. So you never know that when you give yourself to worship, when you give yourself to enjoying Jesus and expressing and overflowing your praise, that will build up your brothers and sisters. We sing for the benefit and edification and strengthening and encouragement of one another. I love what Banning Liebscher says. There is not one area of my life that is healthy or fruitful that doesn't have the best of others poured into it. If you want to be a worshipper, you need to hang out with people who burn. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you want to do. Okay, last two. I keep forgetting my logs. Okay, the last one is this. Celebration. Celebration. We need to be a people. So both these passages, again, talk about the central importance of giving thanks. Our worship, the fuel of our hearts, grows as we give thanks. The centre of Christian living, N.T. Wright says, is grateful worship. Cultivate thankfulness in your heart. We've run out of time, so I'd like us just to all stand where we are. Okay, band, sorry. That, that wasn't very covert, was it? That was shocking, shocking. Okay. Let, can we just have the last, the last slide up? And if you just click again. As I was just praying over this, this scripture really came to mind. It talks about Jesus. And it says this, A faintly burning wick he will not quench. And maybe that's how you feel this morning. Maybe you feel like a flickering, kind of smouldering embers. Let me say this, if that's how you feel, Jesus knows how to refuel your heart. Jesus knows how to get the fire going again. And you know what happens a few verses after Jesus has done his amazing work? What does Isaiah prophesy? He says that the people who have encountered Jesus, they will sing a new song. And they will sing it to the ends of the earth. An overflow of praise and worship. Why? Because a faintly burning wick he does not quench. No, he fuels the heart. And he brings worship and praise into it that we might overflow it back. So we're just going to spend a few moments in worship and praise. Let's do that together.